Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Sharing God's Blessings. Sharing God's Blessings. I have two alternative titles, uh, Levitical Cities or Feed Your Cows. All right, so anyway, you can take your pick, but the official title is Sharing God's Blessing. Now, I'm on a roll. This is the third tricky sermon in a row. Uh, the, I already tackled immigration. If you weren't there for that one, you can go back and listen to that. I then covered capital punishment last week. And today, the most offensive topic of all, tithing. Now, don't get mad at me. I just preached through the book. You know, I just preached through the Bible. Don't get mad at me. This all kind of hit all at once. Now, before you go home, and I said this last week, before you go home and have roast chuck, you know, chuck, roast, roast, chuck, uh, remember your beef is not with me, it's with God's word, all right? So just remember that. See if you're still clapping at the end. But anyway, here we go. The Bible clearly teaches tithing. Although some argue with me, I've had people actually argue, we say, that's in the Old Testament, I follow the New Testament, so I don't have to tithe. Okay, I always say, okay, I always get them good. Uh, the New Testament doesn't teach tithing per se, it teaches sacrificial giving, which is way beyond the, the tithing. So if you want to just be a New Testament dispensationalist, that's fine. Uh, but, but just so you know, you're, gonna, you're really giving a lot of ground here. Uh, and really, tithing is a starting point. That 10% that the Bible teaches, the first fruit, that's a starting point. But that is not the end of our giving. We do know the Bible does teach sacrificial giving, which is far beyond that 10%. That's just like a baseline, you know, safe, safety net is what I tell people. Now, we rarely talk about money here at New Hope Community Church. If you're here for the first time, you're like, what are they doing? We, we never talk about money. Uh, we don't even take an offering. In fact, sometimes my kids will go to a, visit another church and they'll come home and say, Dad, you'll never believe what they did at church today. We were sitting there and they passed plate, these plates down. They, they wanted us to put money in these plates. Everybody's putting money in the plates. I know, I know, that's how, you know, because... If you've just grown up here, you never saw it. But I go, I know that's how most churches do it. Nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong. But we do boxes back at the door. And people give their gift on the way in or the way out in these boxes. And you have to give fast because they disappear after the service pretty quick. Especially if there's a hoagie fest going on. But I'm not going to blame anybody for running out with the boxes early. In fact, I had some visitors several times said to me, this is some kind of church. It's, it's hard to even find out how to give money here. You know, I can't even figure out how to give it. You know, this is a tricky church here. Uh, so we don't, we don't make a, a big deal of the giving, but, but giving to God and sharing our blessings is very important for our spiritual growth. And it's also, in God's word, very, very important that, that our giving to God is very, very important for how we grow spiritually. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for the mission report. We thank you for bringing each one of us here. I know it's a crazy week, but those of you, you've brought here for a reason, your Holy Spirit wants to speak to us about something very important. We pray for your mercy and grace for that to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Joshua 21. I'm just going to read the first three verses first of all. Joshua 21, verse 1, where it says... Now the family heads of the Levites approached Eleazar the priest, Joshua son of Nun, and the heads of the other tribal families of Israel at Shiloh in Canaan and said to them, 
The Lord commanded through Moses that you give us towns to live in with pasture lands for our livestock. So as the Lord had commanded, the Israelites gave the Levites the following towns and pasture lands out of their own inheritance. Out of their own inheritance. And then we're just going to skip all the way down to verse 41 because I'm not going to read through all the list. Uh, verse 41, the towns of the Levites and the territories held by the Israelites were 48 in all, together with their pasture lands. Each of these towns had pasture lands surrounding it. This was true for all these towns. So these are the Levitical cities. That's why I mentioned earlier in the title. The Levites were given these 48 cities with their burbs, the surrounding burbs there. And now remember, if you were here a couple of weeks, uh, Father's Day. Remember Father's Day? We talked about the, 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 the curse being turned into a blessing. And we remember that the Levites were scattered through the curse, but it ended up becoming a blessing because they were the priests. They were the priests. And the cities, uh, the, the priests were scattered. The Levite priests were scattered throughout all of Israel through these 48 cities. And they were given cities within each of the tribes, each of the tribes. In Numbers 18:20, it tells us why that happened. In Numbers 18, verse 20, where we see, The Lord said to Aaron, You will have no inheritance in their land, nor will you have any share among them. I am your share in your inheritance among the Israelites. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of the meeting. So they're given these tribes, but they're also giving the, the tithes, the tithes that they brought, the basic 10%. There were other tithes, but basically baseline 10%, there were other tithes on top of that. But, but the, the first 10%, the, the, the first fruits the Israelites were to bring to the temple, and that was part of that was used to meet the needs of the Levites. That's how they, they lived, so they could continue their priestly work. Paul uses this analogy to, to teach the support of ministers in the church, in the New Testament. Notice I didn't say priests. I said ministers. Because priests, uh, in the Old Testament, the New Testament teaches that the, the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. We no longer need a priest to connect us to God. At the at time, they had, there was... The, the, the final sacrifice, Jesus wasn't offered yet. They were still were offering sheep as a type of Jesus Christ. So they needed a priest to mediate for them. But we no longer need a priest to connect us to God. Jesus Christ is our one and only mediator now. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. We see that the Son of God became a man so that he could pay for our sins. He was the ransom. He ransomed us. He paid for our sins, and he became the mediator. Jesus, the God-man, became the mediator between God, his Father, and all of mankind so that, so that he could mediate. No one else is needed. There's no more priests. In the New Testament, no such thing. Nowhere. Except all of us are priests in God's sight. There, there's no more need. Uh, no one else is needed. Jesus doesn't share his mediating with anyone. There's no such thing as a co-mediator. There's no one else. No one else. No one else is capable of mediating except Jesus Christ. 
through his blood, his own blood. He's our mediator, and we are all priests. The moment, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and given your life to him, you have become a priest in God's sight. 1 Peter 2.5 says this. It says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices to God. I'm sorry. I, I, I have this memorized, but I'm forgetting it. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's a problem when you get older. All right, so uh, the, we, the biblical term, we are all priests in God's sight. Okay, we're all priests in God's sight. The biblical term for those who minister now in the New Testament is pastors and teachers. Pastor means shepherd. That's, what, that's the official term. It's, it's, it's no longer priest, but it's pastors. It's shepherds and teachers. Okay? And our job now as a, as a minister now in the New Testament is to teach people how to connect with God the Father through his son Jesus Christ. I don't mediate. I teach you how to go through Jesus Christ, the ultimate mediator, and connect directly with God as your father through his son, Jesus Christ. And then my job also is to teach you how to live as priests because you are priests. If the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin, I put my faith in him, I give my life to him, the moment you do that, you become a priest the priesthood of all believers. You become a priest. That's, that's, what, that's what you become. And my job is to teach you to live as priests. What does he say there? To, to represent Jesus Christ. That's what the priest does. And bring other people to Jesus Christ. That's our job now is to bring other people to Jesus Christ so that they can connect with Jesus Christ for their own salvation and then can reach God the Father through his son Jesus Christ. That's, that's, the, that's very important. There's no such thing as a paid priest in the, in, the, in the New Testament. No such thing. Paul calls us shepherds, pastors, and teachers. There's also evangelists and um, apostles, evangelists, prophets. There's all, all that in the Bible, too. So Paul uses this analogy of an old... But he, even though we're not priests, Paul uses the analogy of an Old Testament priest to teach supporting the New Testament Pastors, the New Testament people in ministry. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9, in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 13, it says, Don't you, this is Paul talking, don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered at the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Just as the priests had their needs met through the temple and through the tithes and the offerings to free them up for priestly service, the same goes for pastors and teachers that they're, they're to, through the tithe of the church and the sacrificial giving of the church, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the prophets, free, it frees them up to minister. It frees them up to minister. And Paul gives the rationale for supporting those in ministry in the first few verses leading up to what I just read. In fact, we just back up to verses, verse 7. He says, Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? 
Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends of a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I, not, do I say this from, merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Is it about the oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was for written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? So we see that, uh, that he's saying that uh, taxes, just, taxes support soldiers. How do soldiers serve? Our, our honorable soldiers serve because of our taxes. The farmers who are farming get to eat. You know, I know I grew up on a farm, and you know, we, whatever we harvested, we, we kept for ourselves a lot of it, and then we would sell what we didn't need. Uh, uh, farmers eat part of what they grow. It says they drink the milk. They get to drink the milk first. We drank lots of milk on the farm. It's the one thing we got to have a lot of. We didn't have a lot of money, but boy, we had all the milk we could drink, and we drank a lot of milk. There was milk everywhere. I remember going out to that tank, the bulk tank, and you know, having a pitcher there and turning the switch and filling it up and just drinking that warm milk. It was just so good, you know, fresh, warm milk. Milk everywhere. I even took a bath in milk once. Wasn't on purpose. I remember before they had these old fat, they had pipelines where you would milk the cow and it would shoot up into the pipe and go to the tank. Before that, I remember they had this dumping, I didn't even know what it was called, some kind of dumping thing. You'd milk the cow and it would go into this like metal thing and we'd pour it into a bucket and then we'd end up getting it to somehow to the milk milk tank, bulk tank, milk tank somehow. I don't remember how, but we had these buckets of milk sitting there as my dad's milking. And I was little, I was like, I was like two, three. I just remember I was little, and I was, I never forget, I was, I was goofing around out there. And be, you know, my dad's milking, and he's got a friend there, and they were talking. And I just remember I was walking backward, walking backward, goofing around, and all of a sudden I hit, walked right into the, the milk bucket, fell into the bucket, and got stuck. I'm completely stuck in this milk bucket, but my head's sticking up, my legs and arms are sticking out, and my dad's like, what are you doing in the milk? Get out of the milk. Get out. And uh, I even took a bath in it. Milk everywhere. Milk everywhere. So he says also, even the cows, not just the workmen, but even the cows to eat while they're working, right? He talks about the ox and, and getting some grain. You can't just keep making them you know, tread on, you know, thresh the grain without giving them something to eat. Uh, we, same with us, before we milked our cows, we always fed them. First thing, you had to feed them first. They were hungry. We fed them and then they were okay with being milked. And he, God gave this to teach the importance of taking care of work animals in the law. That's important. We should take care of our work animals. All right. But also, Paul says not only is it for the animals, but it was for the ministers. And that's why I have the title, Feed Your Cows. Feed Your Cows. First uh, Timothy 5, 17 says this. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Once again, he applies the, 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 the ox and the grain to not just the animal, taking care of the animal, but taking care of the, the pastor. And I just have one thing to say to you. Moo! <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I can do it better, but you know. Anyway. That means the cow would moo when it was hungry. It wanted to be fed. All right, so any New Hope Community Church has been great. Uh, 
very concerned to meet all of our needs. You guys have really kept us free, kept me freed up for ministry. And Kim, too. We've both been able to really do the ministry because the church has been uh, very concerned to meet our needs and keep us freed up for ministry. And your faithful giving has allowed us to live in this community, which is not a cheap community to live in, right? Uh, it's, a, it's expensive to live in this area. And it, I remember it, that seemed impossible 18 years ago when we started the church. Remember when we first started the church, it seemed impossible that, that, we, that Kim and I could live here. But I remember, because it, it just was such an expensive area, and the houses were so expensive, we were living a half an hour away. But I remember Pastor Dan and our mother church saw the importance of us living in this community. And, and, and I remember Pastor Dan saying, you need to buy a house in that community. You need to be part of the community. You need to be right there. And I, I said, it seems impossible for us and our new church to do this. It was way, way more expensive. And we had so many kids, six kids back then, remember? So many kids. Ha <laughs> ha. All right. So, uh, it, but, but I remember Dan insisted. He had, the, he had this wisdom. He insisted. And he said, start looking. And we started looking, and houses were expensive. But there was one last development going in, the last development built in this area, remember? It was going in. It was just starting. And you know how when you get in that first level, it was so much cheaper? In fact, uh, a month later, the house had gone up a huge amount of, uh, we got in just under the wire there. We found this one. We squeezed in just before the price jump. And, and, and the, but it still was going to be a, a stretch, but I'll never forget, Pastor Dan worked it out for the mother church. They paid our mortgage for two years. Two years. Till we got established. And then the church was able to, you know, help us to, to pay to be here and the sacrificial giving of our church here. But that was quite a vision. And, and it was vital. Just like in Joshua 21, the priests lived in the area that they ministered, they lived with the people. They lived in a city, and, and, and they had the land right there where, they, where the people were. The same is important for us as pastors. It's very, very important that we, uh, I know not everybody has to live, every pastor has to live right in the community, but it was important for us. We became very embedded in this community. Really embedded. It's crazy, isn't it? And we have this house right on the corner. Everybody can see it. I have so many people say to me, oh, yeah, don't you live where that day, you have that daycare at your house? Yeah. <laughs> I said, they're all mine. <laughs> uh, but it's allowed us to connect to so many people. Even all the kids connect with, I tell you, we're, we have to connect with people. Sometimes I get overwhelmed, like I can't meet another person. But I have, we have so many kids and so many things. We've connected with so many people. And uh, also having the house was very important because we meet in the school, obviously. We meet here in the school. So the house has been like a ministry center. Look at all the things we've done there. The VBSs and the youth group has met there many, many times. And the Bible studies and the fellowship, home fellowships and leadership teams and so many things. That's really kind of our ministry center is that house. So thank, thankfully Dan had that vision and, and supported us. And thankfully the church has been behind us on it. And it's all because of your faithful giving that has freed me, that's freed Kim up to minister and to impact our community. And it's not just our community, but you saw the pictures earlier, you know, the, the pictures of the Philippines. New Hope Community Church has impacted places around the world. We've adopted this, this 
ministry, the unreached people group in the Philippines. I can't say too much because this is, gets on the internet here. But, but uh, we, we've adopted them. We've targeted this group and we support that ministry and the, uh, the few Christians that are part of this group. And, and uh, our church... And individuals in our church have been very, very generous to, generous to give, have given so that their ministry team, so these people, so that th- we give so that they can focus on their ministries. Just as it frees Kim and I up, our giving frees them up. So they, you see the fruit that they have. It's unbelievable. It's crazy how many people they're reaching. People coming from, from these... I'm going to be careful there. Other religions, and, and they're, be, they're coming to Christ, and, and, they're, and they're, then they're becoming in ministry team members. It's amazing, the fruit. And that's because we have helped so much. By God's grace, we've been you know, blessed to help them. And uh, we've helped them build a youth center that they're just rededicated. We had a really big part in that. And also their church ministry center. We just helped them finished their church building. We don't have a church, but we've built churches other places. Uh, we've helped with housing for the, the family, the, the ministry family, and the, the, the orphans that they've taken in. Every time you turn around, they're taking someone else in. I think there's 18 kids living there at that, that place that we've helped them establish. Um, and these kids are in crisis. They just keep taking people in and raising them up and, and uh, you know, getting them into school and all that stuff. We've helped them with ministry vehicles. You know, we don't have a church vehicle, but we bought several <laughs> vehicles uh, other places. Uh, medical needs, unbelievable. The medical needs, uh, the, the, the refugees. How many times we, you know, during the war or the flood, that, the flooding and all the different things that we have. And we've sent significant gifts to, to, so that they can minister. And they use it to minister. They just, we send this money and they just minister to all these different refugees in that area. And it's a, a, a privilege and a joy to share in this ministry. And, and not just this ministry, but the ministry here in New Hope. It's a privilege and a joy that we all get to, to share in this. And I hope you all know that blessing. Wherever you're called. Whoever we are, I hope you know that blessing. Do you know the blessing? Are, are you able, or have you been touching lives in New Hope and around the world? Or are you missing out? Are we missing out? In 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, he says, listen to what Paul says here. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Remember that song? God loves a cheerful giver. Ha, 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 ha. Remember? No youth groupers? Remember that one? All right, that's an old youth group song. Uh, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every Good work. Wow. What a passage, huh? Do you tithe to your local church? If it's New Hope Community Church or, or if you're listening to this on a podcast somewhere, do you, do you tithe to your home church? And not only tithing, but do, you give, do we give sacrificially? Sacrificially, and that's beyond the 10%. Do we give to the missions? Do we give to those in need? Here and around the world, do we, do we help those in need? 
Are we experiencing God's grace? Look how it's tied to God's grace. Is that God's grace abounding in our life and through us to other people? Are we experiencing that and passing on God's grace? Are we, are we experiencing that joy? Uh, there's a little bookmark. Um, I handed them up before, but I had some more. I stuck them on the back table. Stu- the journey of stewardship. If you've never gotten this from our church, grab one on there on the back table. Grab one. Study it. Read it. Pray through it and act on it because it's just um, every one of us are to be receiving grace and passing on that grace spiritually and physically, materially, passing that on. Are we experiencing that blessing? Maybe you're here and you never become a Christian. You first need to experience God's grace. Maybe you've never taken the first step in, in, in giving your life to Jesus Christ. That's the first step before you can pass on the grace, you have to receive the initial God's grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by God's grace. Grace means undeserved favor. It means a, a gift. And we receive God's gift through faith. The gift of his son, God gave his one and only son to us. To die on a cross for our, for our sin in our place. To ransom us from sin and death and judgment and wrath and Satan. To ransom us. And we receive that gift, that grace, by putting our faith in Jesus. Have you ever taken that step of faith and received God's grace? That's the first step. But that's not the end of it. Us putting our faith in Jesus and and receiving grace and knowing we're going to heaven someday, that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning of it. A lot of times we stop right there, but let's look at the next verse. Verse, Verses 8 and 9, For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and it is not for yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For, verse 10, we often forget this one, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were saved by God's grace. We receive God's grace so that we could do good works. They don't save us. They do nothing to save us. They don't do anything to get, make us right with God. But they follow. Faith does that. Faith is what saves us. But if our faith is real, good works follow. A changed life follows. And God has prepared good works for us to do. He wants to bless other people through us. What blessing does God want me to share today? Whether it's material or whether it's spiritual. What life do I get to impact for eternity? What lives is God calling us to touch for eternity? In our house, there's been a lot of planning. The kids got this idea. To start a ministry called Laurel's House. For kids who've been impacted by drugs, you know, babies that have been born to drug-addicted mothers, and, and to try to, there's so many of them now, and to, to start this ministry where take the kids in help them through. 
uh, help them through all the challenges that they face, being babies who've been affected by drugs, and then help them find families to adopt them and love them. And they're making all these plans. And I love to hear it. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. They all have their plan. They were trying to figure out where to get the money <laughs> for this. During the NCAAs, when you had that contest, if you picked every right team, and you get a million dollars a year for if you picked them all right, <laughs> that was their last plan. Then that, that Maryland Baltimore County team wrecked it. But it was so funny. If we win this, every penny, God, is going to this. And just, just, to, just, to, just to hear them talk about, you know, really praying about it. God help us. They pray through every pick. <laughs> God didn't use that, obviously, but God has other plans, but, but other ways to fund this. But, but it's so touching to hear them talk about that, like giving everything, their, their time and their lives and their money for this. And I think that's how God feels. He's very touched. When we sacrifice, when our hearts are soft to those in need, when we give to the Philippines and see that fruit, that's, that's God working through us. And I think he's touched when we have that heart. And I think he gives us more to give away, doesn't he? There's so much we could do if we're willing to give, not just money, but our lives, there's so much that we could do. Look at Charity Water. We were just at Joan's funeral and Charity Water. And I remember when Scott Harrison got on that mercy ship, you know. <laughs> Never dreamed there'd be Charity Water. You're just hoping he'd survive out, in the, out on the water, right? But wow, millions of people drinking clean water because because of that and it's i just think of what one one life what a difference it can make i just think of of you know i'd mentioned the drug addicted babies but the orphans there's so many children around the world that are just nobody looking out for them street children orphans and if if someone could figure a way to break down the red tape and get these kids connected with loving families not have the not being scammed by these governments trying to make all the money off them, but just really free them up to go where there's a loving home. Think about what could happen for millions and millions of children. I had someone this week just telling me, not from our church, just saying, boy, it's so hard to adopt a kid. I go, I know. He goes, you know and he goes, you know, if, if he was telling me, and it got me thinking again, he said, if you could fly in a plane load of 100 orphans from summer, just land them here, just in New Hope alone, if you had 100 orphans, they'd be gone within a week. I'm like, you're right. People are just would love to help and take care. Just we got to make, if someone could come up with a way 
like we did with a charity water, something like that, made it so accessible, everybody to help someone. If we could come up, someone could come up, or a group could come up with a way to do that, you could change the world. That's just one way. How is God speaking to us? How is he speaking to us? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? What is he calling us to give? We have so much to give. What is he calling us to give? Whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's our lives. How is he speaking to you right now? Maybe your prayer right now would be, God, I surrender it all. Show me what to give and who to give it to. Show me what to do with my time, with my life. Maybe here today, and you're not a Christian yet. And the first step is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. To put your faith in God's grace. It's a simple prayer of faith. God, I don't want to sin anymore. I repent of my old life. I ask you to forgive me for everything in my life that goes against what you want for my life. I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus I'm giving my life to him if you've prayed that prayer of faith I want to encourage you to let somebody know before this day is over even before you walk out today let somebody know tell me tell your family members tell your friends tell somebody because we're going to be so excited and and be able to encourage you father we pray that we would live surrendered lives i pray that each one of us would know your grace in a powerful way and that your grace would pour through us in a powerful way. I pray that someday we'll look back on this morning and see amazing stories. Many charity waters many individual lives touched maybe you're called us to just impact one person 
but lives changed because of the grace that poured through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.